The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings. Stop in today or visit zaxby's.com and by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit vistarcu.org. This is Duly Noted. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for clicking on. We'll have another one on Thursday, and we'll kind of break down Kentucky a little bit more. But we will talk to John Clay today from the Lexington Herald Leader, good friend of mine, and we'll see him up there Saturday. You know, uh, we got kind of a late flight, so I'm hoping everything goes well because you know how it is. You get a late flight, and it gets canceled or something goes on with it, with it. Maybe you can't get out till the next morning. In fact, one year, Robbie and I got to uh, – there was terrible weather. Now, the weather's supposed to be okay, so I think we'll be fine. But there was terrible weather to go to Knoxville. And they said, look, the earliest we can get you out is tomorrow morning It's at 9 o'clock. Well, the game was at noon. And we said, we can't do that. So we rented a car and drove all the way to Knoxville to make sure we were there in time for the game. What dedicated employees we are. But – um of course, as we know, next Saturday's game is at noon again between Florida and, and Tennessee, and I will talk about that a little bit later on the show. Um, right now, I just wanted to talk, kind of go over what happened over the weekend and what we saw in college football and what we saw at the Gator game. But first, um, I, and this is going to be bad podcast you know, etiquette, I guess, because you're supposed to talk all the way through it, but just a moment of silence. For Neron Ball, who passed away today, it is makes me want to cry. Such a good kid. Um, I mean, and I, and I think of him as a kid because that's when I knew him, when he was a player here. I, I'll never forget sitting down with him and doing an interview uh, after he made his comeback from having uh, brain problems, brain um, blood vessel issues he had in his brain, and came back and played well enough to get drafted by the Oakland Raiders and uh, – Obviously, he had more problems with his brain. The GoFundMe account that was started raised incredible numbers. I was so proud of the Gator Nation. Um, I, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I gave a lot of money to it. Well, a lot for me. And a lot of the, the hacks put together a, a collection and gave money to, uh, to it as well because he was that good a kid. Um, and it's just sad. Um, this is life, but it's it's – doesn't mean it's right. doesn't mean it's fair. It doesn't mean that um, he didn't get the right care. It's just the way things happen, and it just makes me very, very sad today. So just real quickly, a quick moment of silence for Neron Ball. Okay, and it's also the uh, Arnold Palmer would have turned 90 today. That makes me sad too. Now, again. Arnold Palmer, you lived to as long as Arnold Palmer did. It's just kind of like with my dad. My dad's 92. Just had a birthday. Got phone calls from Steve Spurrier and Billy Donovan and Billy Horschel on his birthday. I, I know. I arranged it. Got a text from Dan Mullen. And one day my dad's going to go, and I'm going to go, I can't believe he's gone. He's 92. You know, it's we all hope we get to that age. Uh, let, all right. Let's get off the modeling stuff right now. I mean, we're – we're, we're talking all getting everybody down, and that's not what our podcast is supposed to be. It's supposed to get everybody excited about what's going on with Florida football, and we'll get into some other stuff as well. But uh, we'll start out by the game that Felipe Franks played on Saturday night, and he obviously was, was spot on. Now, the interesting thing about that game was that Dan Mullen knew what they were going to throw at them defensively. He knew it was kind of a funky defense. They they rush three a lot. They um, drop a lot of guys. So you attack that with screens, a lot of bubble screens. And then when you when you can get everybody kind of coming up, then you go over the top. And you saw it. It, it worked perfectly. You know, Dan Mullen, more, I, I don't know that he's different from every coach or, or more adept at this than any other coach. But watching him coach for the last year and two games, he is really good at setting up a play down the road. In other words, you run this play, 
and maybe it gets two yards, and you run this play, and then you run it again, and it gets two yards, and people are like, oh, come on, man. And then all of a sudden you run it, oh, that's why he was running it before, and you hit it over the over the top for a bomb or you get a big play out of it. Um, obviously, Tennessee Martin wasn't very good. We knew they weren't very good coming in here. Uh, they, they played really well against Northwestern State in the second half of their first game, but it's Northwestern State, who LSU gets this week, I believe, right? Um, so, you know, you, you just got to go out and win that game. And, and the ideal thing is you don't get anybody hurt. And obviously the injuries are going to be a factor going forward. I don't know how long Kadarius Tony's out. First of all, I don't buy much of what they the coaches say or, or what Dan Mullen says because he's going to be out two weeks. It could be two weeks. It could be three. It could be four. It could be five. You just got to wait and see when he comes back. Um, it, it was kind of funny, though, when I think it was Mark Long from the AP asked him, he goes, what is the, the injury? Because he had said two weeks, what is it? And you could just see Dan not wanting to tell us what it was. He, he's so secretive with that stuff. And he's But look, he's like 99% of the coaches out there who there's a level of paranoia. There's a level of I don't want to give anybody an advantage. I don't want anybody to go after his shoulder when he does come back. And um, But we'll see how long he's out. My gut is you won't see him until LSU. Um, obviously, C.J. Henderson, I think you could be in, a, in the same situation where and I, I know it's an ankle, but you may want to just say, look, we got to get. We got. We can't get him for this game. It's he's an athlete and playing a position where you have to use your ankles. Let's make sure he, we get him healthy. And if he's a hundred percent for ten, I mean literally a hundred percent, not ninety percent, a hundred percent against Tennessee, we'll go with it. And then you got Towson the next week, so you didn't even have to play him in that game. So uh, obviously those two injuries, both to the guys wearing number one, which is. Um, Weird. In fact, I had a guy uh, last night at the Deland Quarterback Club that I spoke to asked me about why there were two guys wearing number one. I got and I told him I said, "Look, it's a big deal to get number one, but there are two guys wearing a lot of numbers." In fact, there was somebody that got penalized, I think last week, not this past week, but the week before, because they had two number sevens on the field at the same time on a punt, and you got to be careful about that. I look. I've argued this point incessantly, and it doesn't do any good. You have you dress out seventy guys for an SEC game. They all should have, be able to have different numbers. Last time I checked, there are ninety nine numbers that they could wear. In fact, maybe it should get somebody number one for this game since those two guys aren't playing. At any rate, Felipe had an amazing game statistically, um, but it's it's kind of funny. My daughter, who went to her first home game as a student, and she's usually got pretty good seats that I get for. I pay for them, but I get her really good seats. She was in the student section, and she was exposed to a different crowd. And she told me, Dad, I almost got in three fights. And I'm like, well, first of all, you didn't get in any fights. You didn't almost get in any fights. You might have disagreed or yelled at somebody, but you weren't getting into a physical fight. I would hope. You're smarter than that. But she said she did get where in altercations with people. She goes, middle-aged guys. I go, middle-aged, what, you mean like in their 30s? But it was about Felipe. And I'll tell you more about it. we got to take a break, though. We always do that right around this time. We'll come back. I'll tell you what they were complaining about on the other side here on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates, saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. I'm your host, Pat Dooley, from the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com, and this is the Dooley Noted Podcast, presented by Zaxby's. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. And, uh, yeah, so here's what they were complaining about. They were yelling because, like, on the touchdown 
to Van Jefferson, they were screaming, throw it, throw it, he's open, he's open. And they threw it, and he was open, and he got a touchdown. Wasn't good enough. There was a couple other plays where they were yelling at him, why'd you throw it to him? Where they were sitting, they could see the whole field, and I think that's the way it is in the press box. Sometimes we see guys come open that it's harder for the quarterback to see, and it's not one of his strengths. I, I will admit that. But, you know, for you to be upset with your quarterback when he goes 25 for 27 for 270 and a couple of TDs and no picks and no mistakes, really, that – that I told my daughter, I said, honey, you got to remember my – what's the first commandment of the Pat Dooley commandments? Nobody suffers winning like Gator fans. Anybody who was disappointed with Felipe Franks in that game, you you can't be satisfied. However, let me go back to Felipe Franks as a whole. Look, I get I, – I think all Gator fans need to do this. They need to sit here and go – Felipe Franks is what he is. He probably is not ever going to be great. I don't think he is, personally. I don't think it's there. I don't know that he has that clutch gene. I talked about this to a club last week. The clutch gene that I believe is its a made-up thing that I've made up, but I believe in it. There are some guys who had more than one clutch gene. Drew Brees, just the other night, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm going, the, the dude's got like six clutch genes. He's got so many. He's so good. But there are guys who don't have, just don't have the clutch gene. I, it happens in baseball all the time. I watched last year's Florida team. I watched a team that barely made it into to the tournament uh, several years ago. And I just said, there's nobody with a clutch gene. You come up second and third, one out, uh, eighth inning, you're down a run and you strike out, you don't have the clutch gene. It doesn't mean you never do that. I mean, it happens every once in a while, but when you do it consistently. And I'm just not sure. Like, if the biggest play of Felipe Franks' life was a, was a play where he just wound up and threw the ball as far as he could and hit Tyree Cleveland, right? Didn't have to think much about it. And look, I think he is what he is, and that's good enough right now for Florida. That's good enough to put them in a position to be another, have another season where they win nine or 10 games. Is it good enough to get them to the promised land? No, it's not. It's not like they're going to the playoffs this year, right? But I don't know that, that, Anybody could get them to the playoffs. I don't know that Danny Werfel or Rex Grossman or or Tim Tebow could get this team to the playoffs. And again, I'm not I'm not downgrading Florida. Florida's got a really good team. They've got really good players. I just don't think they're all that great. Okay? They're really good. Kind of like Felipe. He's really good. He's really talented. If you could put Danny Werfel's head in his body, there's no telling what he could do. But even then, it may not be enough. Somebody was talking the other day about Miami losing. They go, that's going to hurt our, our, our strength of schedule if it comes to the playoffs. And I was like, playoffs? I wouldn't worry about the playoffs, okay? I wouldn't. I mean, this is not a team that I, I see being a playoff team. There were some people that were higher on Florida than I was at the beginning of the year, and they've all kind of come back to me. You know, they've all kind of come back. Yeah, you're you're right. They're about the 11th best team in the country. And I think they are. And the potential is still there to be great. I, I don't I, I there's a path, right? And it starts Saturday, because if you can't win at Kentucky, when Kentucky's lost an awful lot of personnel and lost their starting quarterback this week, if you can't win that game, then it's, hello, let's hope for the Outback Bowl. Outback Bowl's not bad, I can tell you. Just don't send them back to the Citrus Bowl, and I'll be okay. But, I mean, that that's the bottom line here. I, I, that's why this game – and, look, I tend to be one of these guys who is constantly saying, well, this is the most – almost coach speak. This is the most important game they play all year. I said before the season Miami was the most important game, Right? Because I felt like you couldn't zap 
the momentum that you'd built up and the way, the direction things were going. I didn't realize they could do that and win the game, but it did kind of knock down the momentum a little bit. But look, this is a huge game for Florida in this season. If they win this game, then you get Tennessee. We know what is going on there, and you that, that you know you're setting yourself up for a great run with Auburn and LSU and obviously Georgia squeeze South Carolina in there and then you know Missouri at the end um so it's you know but you this is why it's such a big game and to me it's a it's a huge game for Florida you know their their quarterback uh and we'll talk to to uh, John Clay in just a bit about it their quarterback um you know, is not overly talented. He's he's okay. They've got good players. Um, you know, they've got a, a. In fact, this is the column I'm writing for Thursday. You know why why we didn't rank them in the AP poll. I I didn't rank them, and and don't forget, I'm the guy who ranked them last year in the preseason AP poll. And everybody's like, "What? Kentucky got one vote." Why did Pat Dooley? I was on all kinds of Kentucky radio shows. I thought that was going to be a really good team, and it was. Won ten games. So you know, this year we but we look at okay they lost Josh Allen, they lost uh, Benny Snell, they lost some other talented guys. Uh, leave Kentucky out because there's no benefit of the doubt with them. They're Kentucky. Right, as Jim McElwain so eloquently put it after they won that game two years ago and he came into the locker room and said, they're still bleeping Kentucky. And everybody looked around like, what is he? Why would you say that? But I digress. Um, so anyway, you know, we saw some really good things on Saturday night. Obviously, the defense pitching a shutout anytime you do it. I don't care who you're playing. You throw a shutout, it's, it's good. It's really good. Because... A fluke play here, and there were a couple of plays they busted, and and guys ran down. The uh, in fact they had that one forty-eight yard play, but they were able to stop them after that. So that's a good sign. The sacks were again back five of them, fifteen sacks. It's kind of funny. I don't know that I've ever covered a team that after two games had fifteen sacks and one turnover. Now technically they've had two turnovers. They got the pick in the end zone. Um, by Elam in this game, and then they had the fumbled punt. But the defense has only gotten one turnover. But to, for a defense to get one turnover and 15 sacks, that's kind of an odd way to do it. But they get to 2-0. We saw Jacob Copeland's kind of break – I don't know if you want to say breakout game, but he scored a touchdown. He made a lot of nice catches. This kid could be really good. It's There were a lot of questions about – Losing Kadarius Tony and could Jacob Copeland fill that role? They're they're totally different players. I mean, Kadarius Tony is a make you miss guy. Jacob Copeland is a bigger, stronger guy who's going to catch it and maybe break a tackle. Um, he he could be a, a a big factor for this team going forward, and especially if he gets confidence. Again, it comes down to this, guys. This team, I like their defense. I like their defense going up against a quarterback who's. While he does have experience at a, at, at Troy um, and played a few – I think he threw – what was he, five for nine in that game Saturday? A couple touchdowns. Um, I, I like Florida's chances against that. But it's going to come down to can they, can they block. It's about blocking. I know it's about blocking and tackling, blocking and tackling, but it's about blocking in this game. Florida's got to get something going on the ground. Well, they rushed for over 200 yards. Yeah. But you saw the first half. They they had a hard time blocking those guys. They uh, had a fourth and two. Guy whiffed on a block. Got stuffed. I'm still not convinced about their run game right now. And that run game's going to have to – it doesn't have to be great. It's got to be good. It's got to allow you to be balanced. And if it does, you can pick on a secondary that's pretty young. And you could throw the ball on them, and if and if Felipe has a big game, then you got to get start 
dropping guys off, and you can run the ball a little bit better. So to me, it's all about this offensive line, which as we started the season, what did we say? It's all about the offensive line, right? One more thing before we bring on John Clay. Kind of reminded me of that line from, uh, or that uh, part of, uh, from A Few Good Men, which I love that movie. Love it. Adore that movie. When Tom Cruise is saying, one more thing before I bring on Airman O'Malley and Airman Rodriguez, or is it Gonzalez? Whatever it is, I can't remember the name. And, and, he, and he asks them the tough questions. And then it gets crazy. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> I love that movie. The great thing is the monologue that Nicholson does, you want me on that wall? You need me on that wall. The whole thing, apparently he did in one take. He's the best. All right, one more thing I just wanted to mention, though. Mr. Two-Bits, they honored him. That was so great what they did. Uh, you may have read my column on Kevin King. It was his great one of his grandsons that was there. Um, family liked the column a lot, and that was cool. I'm always happy when 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 you write about somebody that you met, you care about, and people that were related to him uh, approve it. You know, say that was well done. So I'm I'm happy about that. And uh, they did a really good job. Not a lot of those yellow T-shirts, but um, you know, I wore yellow on Saturday. In honor of Mr. Tubitz. He was one of the nicest guys in the world. Okay, we'll take a break. We will bring on John Clay from the Lexington Herald Leader to talk a little bit about Kentucky. And then when we come back after that, we'll talk about some of the other games and we'll get to three things. I got so much. I can go all day here, peeps. And I know you guys, I I worry about some of you are on the treadmill and I'm going 45 minutes and now you're like, hey, I liked it when you were doing those 30-minute podcasts. Then, I, then my workout was over. Now you're making me work too hard. But we will take a break on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. ABC Fine Wine and Spirits in Florida is family-owned since 1936 and longtime Gator supporters. Did you know Touchdown Terrace was named after the founder, Jack Holloway? There are 122 ABC locations throughout Florida. Shop online at abcfws.com and pick up in-store on the way to your tailgate or game day party. ABC has walk-in coors for beer and amazing deals every day on wine and spirits. Save $10 on every $100 on wine. ABC Liquors, proud Gator supporters. Okay, welcome back into the Duly Noted Podcast. It's a great pleasure to be joined by my buddy, John Clay, Lexington Herald leader, does a great job covering the Mighty Wildcats. And uh, I'm curious because I talked today to the woman um, at the hotel we're staying at. I was just checking on a couple of things. And she was saying, talking about how it's all, you know, it's sold out, everything's sold out, everybody's kind of excited. Is there a level of excitement here with uh, with this game coming coming up on Saturday? Oh yeah, I mean it's it's uh, the first Kentucky's first two. They've already played two home games. Neither one of those sold out. Uh, Mark said he was a little disappointed before the first game that it wasn't a sell like that they're coming off a ten win uh, season. But the Florida game has been sold out for a while. So uh, in fact, a friend of mine last night sent me a text message with a screenshot of StubHub. The tickets uh, upstairs uh we're going for two hundred and thirty dollars was the lowest price for a ticket upstairs at Kroger Field. So yeah, there's definitely a uh level of anticipation for this game. I wonder how much I could sell my press pass for. Like to see. But uh you know it, it, Greg it is. Sankey might be listening to this. I'm sure he listens to every one of your podcasts. He, he does. And he would not approve. He no, would not approve. No he would not. Uh, but certainly, look, I, there's got to be a little bit of a level of confidence for Kentucky. I know they lost a ton of players from last year, a bunch of guys to the NFL that are in the NFL, and we all know about Josh Allen and Benny Snell, but there are a lot more. But, you know, they've recruited well, and it's not like they, they just are filling in with a bunch of, uh, you know, slugs here. I mean, they've got good players. I've watched them play their first two games, and they look they look like a pretty good football team. 
Yeah, they've got they've got they feel like they've got some good players who are just being experienced players, especially in the secondary. They were play they lost their top five guys top five defensive backs from last year, and as you mentioned, a couple of those got drafted. Lonnie Johnson and uh, Mike Edwards are on NFL teams. Uh, so yeah, and offensively, you know, their running backs. They feel like they've got good running backs to replace Benny Snell. They just don't have a whole lot of experience of running back. But, yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a good test. And this is something I'm writing. This will be a good test of Mark Stoops' program. Yeah, you know, they're playing with a backup quarterback, as we'll probably get into with Sawyer Smith. But, uh, you know, do they, you're playing Florida, a team that's probably going to be motivated after losing to Kentucky last year. That's a top-ten team. You're playing them at home. What does this say about your program? Uh, you know, what kind of game you can play against the top-ten team? Uh, you know, coming off that 10 win season with a lot of inexperience and new guys playing. So they, you're right. They do have talent. It's just not talent with a, with a whole lot of experience. You know, it was an interesting – I've read a couple stories on Sawyer Smith, who, of course, was the backup and now is starting, was at Troy, had a baseball scholarship to Alabama. Um, you know, he's starting or this game because Jaron Williams didn't come there, said he went to Miami, and there's all kinds right. of things. There are also kinds of timelines with him. But, uh, I, I, you know, just looking at his stats and looking at him from last year at Troy – Certainly isn't going to give them the mobility that that Wilson did, but uh, he does have some experience. So it's not like this is his first rodeo. No, that's the silver lining. He had a similar situation at Troy last year. He lost out on the starting job in the quarterback competition uh, in the fall, but then their starter got hurt about midway through the season. He took over, played in six games, was the MVP of their uh, win over Buffalo in the Dollar General Bowl. So, yeah, he see in the times that we've gotten to talk to him, he seems like a pretty laid-back kid. He's a Florida kid. We asked him, why didn't you stay at Troy? Uh, you know, coming off the bowl, you probably could have been the starting quarterback next year uh, or this year. And he said he w- always wanted to play in the SEC. He said, I grew up a Florida kid, you know, watching SEC football, and I wanted to play in the SEC. So now, you know, here's his chance. You know, you're talking about the different paths. The guy who came here first, a grad transfer to visit, was Tommy Stevens from Penn State. Yeah, he ends right. up at Mississippi State. Now he got hurt last week. Uh, I think he, they're not sure whether he's going to be able to play this week. And then Gunnar Hoke was the backup to, Terry Wilson, and he left after last year to be a grad transfer to go to Ohio State. He's from Ohio. He's got several family members who played at Ohio State, went to Ohio State. He would be the quarterback if he'd stuck around here. So, yeah, it's interesting how all these (laughs) different dimensions and paths, how they ended up with Sawyer Smith being the quarterback for this game. Yeah, I mean, I know he didn't throw a ton of balls in that game Saturday. It was was well in hand, but uh, uh, do you think he – I mean – has a strong arm. I mean, is that the impression you yeah. get? Yeah, he throws a good deep ball. Um, he's got it. In fact, I was talking with Ken Rogers for a podcast that I do, who covers Troy for the Dolphin Eagle, and he said the reason that he lost out in the quarterback competition was he throws a really good deep ball, but he was shaky on the intermediate passes in Neil Brown's offense. And Neil was the coach last year at Troy, now at West Virginia, is more dependent on the shorter and intermediate passes. But in the two couple of times that we got to watch him in preseason practice, you could tell that he's got a good arm and he does throw a good deep ball. He's not as mobile as, uh, as you mentioned, as Jerry Wilson. Uh, but they, the coaches claim anyway that they haven't had to change the offense. They don't think they'll have to change the offense much between the two quarterbacks when, when they play on Saturday. You know, whether that's, they're just saying that, uh, cause they, you know, don't want to think, anybody to think differently, mean the Florida coaches or whether they will. I'm sure they'll tweak it some, uh, but they claim anyway they're not going to change too much of what they want to do. Yeah, it's funny. Dan Mullen said the same thing. He says they're not going to, they're not going to change it. And I, look, I get it to a point. You practice all summer. You practice all spring. Right. You just don't all of a sudden go. We're going to the wishbone, or we're going to the right. a totally pro style offense. But I'm I'm guessing Sawyer Smith's not going to be asked to run a lot of uh, quarterback draws. No, what I think you're going to probably see is you're going to see more of Lynn Bowden in a Wildcat, yes. maybe running out of the backfield than they had done previously because they don't have that the same threat with Terry Wilson not back there. So yeah, if they're in a you know, third short yardage or third medium yardage, I think there's, I think we're going to see Lynn, uh, you know, in that Wildcat position or maybe more jet sweeps or stuff with Lynn uh, than we would have seen previously. And again, that goes back to something that you and I've talked about, and I talked to Matt Baker, who's an AP voter, about it. We all know that what what Kentucky lost, but a lot of teams lose, and they and they still get in the rankings. 
they lose players, but they still get in the rankings because there's kind of a, a benefit of the doubt, you know. And with Kentucky, it was like, no, they've lost their two best players. We're not going to rank them. And I look, I got to admit, I'm the one guy who who ranked them last year in the preseason, but I didn't rank them this year. And I f- almost feel like, why not? Why didn't I rank him? Because he's got good players like Lynn Bowden, as you mentioned. That's that was a coveted um, recruit, and he's he's living up to it. It's certainly off to a good start this year. Yeah, and no, he's a really good recruit. Like I mentioned, they do have some good players, some really good players. They think will turn into really good players. A big boost for him is getting Josh Pascal back, uh, outside linebacker who was uh, diagnosed with skin cancer before the season last year. He ended up only playing in like three games towards in limited duty at the end of the year. He's back 100% healthy. They feel like he can be a really a, a star. He has real star potential. They've got some other guys that you know. They uh, DeAndre Square kid from Detroit had a really good first game at linebacker. They think he's good. I mean, I'm an AP voter and I haven't voted them in the top 25. And maybe it's because I've been around Kentucky football so long. <laughs> Uh, I'm, you know, I'm thinking, oh, well, they lost all those guys from last year. They'll kind of return to the norm. I picked them to go 8-4, but a lot of that was based on they have eight home games. Uh, I think the schedule was a little easier this year than it was last year. They don't go to Texas A&M. They get Arkansas at home. Uh, But, you know, and maybe I'm not giving them enough credit either. I'm starting to get some people coming after me on Twitter because, you know, they it's not like the old days, Pat. They actually make the AP votes available for people now, so they know how you voted. So coming after me about, you know, you're covering Kentucky. Why aren't you voting U.K. in the top 25? I'm like, well, let's see what happens, you know, as the season progresses. And I think Saturday will be a good indicator. Not that they have to win on Saturday. I mean, Florida's a top-10 team. But, they, but if they play a competitive game where they've got a chance to win, I think it says good things about, you know, the young talent that he does have on this team. Yeah, believe me, I, I feel your pain. I've got Gator fans mad at me because I've got Michigan ranked ahead of Florida. And like, well, we we beat them last year. And I'm like, well, that has nothing to do with this year. Right, that's right. Also, I heard that uh, Kentucky has a secret weapon for the game this year. They're going to actually oh, really? cover Florida's receivers at all times. <laughs> So uh, that that's right. Yeah, that would be new for Kroger Field if they can. And they had a couple of plays on Saturday against Eastern Michigan where they left guys wide open, not necessarily uncovered, but they had blown assignments in the secondary. And that's a big question mark. They've got, like I mentioned, they lost their top five defensive backs. They had a senior that they was going to play a big role tour quad muscle before camp started. He's out for the year. Uh, they got guys back there that they think can be good players, but they just haven't played a whole lot of football. And when you're going up against Dan Mullen and the experienced quarterback like Felipe Franks and all those Florida receivers, even without Tony, they still got a ton of other really good receivers. That's a big question mark on the Kentucky side. I can't let you go without asking a basketball question. I mean, people are pretty excited <laughs> okay. down here about what they've got, and getting Kerry Blackshear obviously was a huge part of that. Um, and, and everything much, I'm reading about Kentucky chagrin. <laughs> I know everything I'm reading about the Cats. though, is that they again? It's typical John Calipari team, loaded with very young players. But I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that, those Florida Kentucky games this year. Oh yeah, yeah, very much so. Like I said, Kentucky was not happy when uh, they didn't get Blackshear. You know how Kentucky fans are. I'm sure there's a part of this with Florida football too. When a, you know a guy goes like Kerry Blackshear, well, we're going to get it. You know, we're going to get Kerry Blackshear, and then when he goes, well, why would he go to Florida? Yeah. It's like, well, he's you know, Florida has won a couple of championships, and they've been pretty good here lately uh, too. So, but no, yeah, it's going to be typical Cal team. They're going to rely a lot on freshmen. They do have some guys back. They've got Ashton Hagens back at point guard. Uh, EJ Montgomery and Nick Richards in the front court both came back. They got another graduate transfer kid from Bucknell. I'm not sure if he's as good as Travis. It's hard to know with that. Really haven't seen much of him yet. Uh, but it's going to be the typical Cal team. They're going to be right there. And yeah, the Kentucky Florida games are always fun, whether they're in Gainesville or Lexington. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. He is John Clay from the Lexington Herald Leader. I'm looking forward to seeing him Saturday night in the press box. We'll be back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. I'm your host, Pat Dooley from the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com, and this is the Duly Noted Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Okay, we are back here on the podcast. Thanks again to John Clay, my good friend. I actually did his podcast. It was a quid pro quo um, earlier today. And, um, yeah, people are you know people are pumped about this game. 
Um, and that's kind of cool. It, it's I think it's going to be a good atmosphere. I like their press box. Their press box is great. And when, since they redid it, it's one of the better press boxes in the SEC. Some not so good. Actually, Florida's isn't one, one of the better ones. Florida's got the, – the great thing about Florida is they got the huge lounge – where you can sit and watch a lot of games. That that's the best part of the Florida press box. Um, but sitting in it, you know, I'm not not a big fan of where we sit. Not a big fan of uh, open air. I, I kind of I, I don't mind it when they're closed because then the air conditioning's on. Except of course in the LSU locker room, as you know, you may have heard Ed Ogeron was upset about that that they had the uh, they didn't have the AC working in Texas, and you'll be all right. Uh, it didn't seem to affect your team very much. And that was certainly was one of the big stories of the day. Now all of a sudden, uh, Ed Ogeron is a superstar. Everybody's freaking out about what a great job he's done. And, you know, he obviously brought in Joe Brady from the Saints, and he's doing a great job. But I, I watched their game. I watched bits and pieces of it. I watched, again, parts of it uh, the other day, Monday. Uh, I think it was on U, uh, ESPNU or ESPN. Ocho or whatever. So I was watching a, bu- a bunch of – and look, they didn't do anything exotic. It wasn't like you sat there and went, oh, man, now – whoa, what do they do? No, they ran basic NFL tree-type plays. Um, the difference is the philosophy, that he's willing to let them do that, that he that Ogeron is saying, we're going we're gonna to get into the – this century and we're going to throw the ball and we're going to throw it even when you think we're going to run it late in the game we're trying to protect the lead we're still going to throw it and we're going to score again and make it a little easier for our defense that's a dangerous thing for everybody that they play now I still have to see it happen as much as I'm convinced I still need to see it happen when they play Alabama and certainly when they play Florida that'll be another one but I mean Look, LSU's always had the players. It's never been a question about players. It's always been a question about they were easy to defend because they weren't unimaginative. When they ran that play against Florida three years ago in Baton Rouge, uh, the pitch to Geis, where you pit, you, you, it's, a, it's such a weird play anyway, but you pitch it and then he runs right up the middle. Um, and I said, that's that's an old Les Miles play. They haven't gotten out of that mindset yet. Of course, as we know, it didn't work, and he did run the wrong way, but I don't think that's why it didn't work. Florida stuffed it. They're scary now, and they got everybody freaking out a little bit. I think the whole SEC West is freaking out a little bit, and I think people nationally are all of a sudden big fans of, of Coach O. Like, he's a likable guy anyway, if you can understand what he's saying. And now I think people are finding an excuse to say he's – because I think there there was – look, they, the, the Ole Miss was always going to be a blot on his resume, right, how bad they were. Um, and, look, Ole Miss isn't supposed to be great, I know that, but Ole Miss was just awful. They were, they were terrible when he was there. And he kind of won the job by, by – Number one, so many people turned him down, including um, Tom Herman, among others. And uh, I think uh, Jimbo Fisher was another one. But that's one reason he got the job. And a lot of us thought, well, that's just dumb. You got you can't do better than Ed Ogeron. And there were times early, even in, in his LSU stint, that I wasn't sure. But he looks like a different guy now. And if he's going to let them do what they need to do, and Joe Burrow's a really good player. I don't know that he's an elite player, but he's really good. They're going to be tough. They're going to be tough for everybody, including Florida. Of course, the other big game, Clemson A&M, we all saw that coming. I don't think we saw it coming in the way we thought it would come. I think we all thought, well, A&M can't score with Clemson. They'll, they'll put up some points, but they can't score. Like Clemson's going to get in the 40s, and A&M will get in the 20s. We did not see them just totally stuffing A&M for most of that game. And then, you know, if you're this is why I don't gamble. There's a million reasons. The number one reason, of course, is I don't have the money to gamble. But number two is you think you know so much, and you don't really know as much as you think you know. 
I think I knew what I didn't know. And number three, and this was what happened the other day, is you've got to bet one, and the coach calls timeout to try to get a touchdown in the last seconds of the game, even though and he, but and which I have no problem with. He's coaching right till the end, but you know it had no impact on their outcome unless you took A and M and gave the points. I mean, I'm sorry, unless you took Clemson and gave the points, or you took A and M and the points. Then it had a major outcome. In fact, I heard Feinbaum saying, "You know, J- you know, Jimbo knew that A and M fans had bet on him, so he he needed to get that touchdown to to make them. That was their only semblance of happiness in that day. So that was interesting. Then, of course, we had the Rocky Top saga continuing. Uh, the feel good story of the young boy in Florida who made his own T shirt and." got bullied for it, and then people are buying the T-shirts up by the hundreds and they're giving all the money to anti-bullying. That's a really cool story. What's not a cool story is the way they're playing football and to lose to BYU. Like, before the season, you would say, I can see them losing to BYU. Then BYU kind of got handled by Utah. And so, you you know, you kind of go into that game going, eh. But the way they lost that game. 64-yard pass with seconds to go to set up a field goal to tie it? That's just – a guy made, made a one bad play, and it totally took all their momentum away again. They got Chattanooga this week, though. Watch out. They'll be all right. Somebody at uh, – I saw this. I think it was on Pat Forty's column. Wondering whether – the what was the worst play in the history of Tennessee football? Was it that play, the 64-yarder? That ended up ended up losing them the game, but they it was lost in overtime. Or the heave to cleave, and uh, the feeling was the heave to cleave because the game was tied. It was the last play of the game, and how do you let a guy get behind you? Probably was still the worst or the best. You can look at it that way. Uh, Miami loses again, zero and two for the first time since seven seventy eight. Had a field goal chance to send it to overtime, missed it. I don't get this. Why North Carolina is not ranked? I put them in my poll after they beat South Carolina. I put them at 25, moved them up to like 23rd, I think I had them. But I'm in the minority because I think they're, they would be, if you, if you count it out, I think they'd be like 29th or something. You've got two wins over Power 5 teams that going into this season, I would say the, the, the over-under on, on Miami – North Carolina wins. I am sorry, Miami, South Carolina wins. The over-under would, would probably have been about 16, right? You figure eight, eight for each one. Maybe one goes seven, one wins nine. I think people had higher hopes for Miami than maybe South Carolina, but South Carolina because of their schedule. But South Carolina, you know, it's the best team he, that Coach Muschamp said he's had. So I'd have probably put it about 16, maybe 15, and you've beaten, you've won those two games, comeback fashion, or you won them like in close fashion. Should be ranked, shouldn't they? I think they should be. I think it's ridiculous that they're not. Um, congratulations to my friend Mike Loxley. I actually sent him a text today. Uh, he just returned that text. I, I'm kind of half just glanced at it. I got to read the rest of it. Uh, I love Mike Loxley to death. Another guy that's got a second chance and is making the most of it destroyed Syracuse. And you can say Syracuse is looking ahead to the game with Clemson. But if you're looking ahead enough to lose by 40-something, you may not just not be very good. So, um, I, that Sy- and now of course, the Syracuse game was everybody assumed would be where game day went. But after that blowout, now they're going to Ames, Iowa. And this is part of the problem with this week is the schedule is so weak. It's just a – it's disappointing to be in the third week of the season. And we know we're all going to go, oh, my God, do you believe what happened? There's going to be some crazy upsets that are going to get us excited. But there isn't much. There's no rank on rank this week. First time in a couple of years that there's not been two ranked teams playing each other. But so they're going to Iowa, Iowa State. Iowa State dropped out of the rankings by not playing. Well done. 
Um, ten places in the Power Five that game day's not been to. And, of course, they haven't been here here in a long time. I think I'm right on this. 2010 was the last time they were here. I believe I'm right on that. Of course, they've been to Florida, Georgia, and they were at Florida-Miami this year. But as far as being in Gainesville, 10 teams, Cal, Duke, Illinois, Kansas, Maryland, Minnesota, Rutgers, Syracuse, Virginia, and Wake Forest. There's at least a chance, I would think, for Maryland and Virginia – to get a visit from game day. I mean, things have to work right. I think Maryland's biggest game is actually a week of Florida-Georgia. And to be honest with you, now, if Florida and Georgia go into that game undefeated or, or with one loss between them, yeah, I would. I think game day should go there. But, you know, after a while, it kind of gets tiring. Yeah, it's uh, they're Florida-Georgia again. You might want to try Maryland sometime. I, I'd, I'd be curious to see who the guest picker would be. If it was Maryland, it'd probably be Scott Van Pelt, but it might be Larry David. Who knows? All right. So those are the 10 places where they haven't been. Um, I mentioned scheduling and I know I'm going long again here, guys. If you want to click off, it's okay, but you know me, I like to talk and I'll get to three things in just a minute. One last thing before that though, uh, Greg Burns put, put out a statement. He's upset that they are playing a noon game next week. Um, he said they, they played more non-conference noon games than anybody else. And I'm like, well, Florida's playing a noon game next week. It's a conference game. Sorry. But it's probably going to be hotter in Gainesville than it is in Tuscaloosa. We're right around the same. Um, and I don't hear Florida complaining. The fans are complaining, and I don't blame them. They're upset. They don't want to go sit in a stadium like that for a noon game. I'm, I'm right there with you, but not – no, I'm not right there with you. I totally understand. My wife's upset. My daughter's upset. Who's thrilled? Pat Dooley of the Gainesville Sun. No deadlines to worry about. Get to come home and watch Georgia Notre Dame. Thank you very much. I'll be here all week. But this – look, this is the way it is, man. It is just the way it is. ESPN, CBS, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN – nine, whatever, TV is going to tell you when to play because they have the money. Now, I've got a good joke, I think, for the quarterback club tonight, the Gainesville quarterback club. I talk to them every Tuesday night. So if if somebody's listening to this and they're going to go, oh, I already heard this joke. My joke is this. If I was Greg Sankey, I would say, hey, Greg Byrne, I know you're upset about this. But the 12 o'clock game is in exchange for the fact that we never call holding on your team. That's it. That, that's the joke. I know it's not that great. The interesting thing is Gus Malzahn came out in his press conference and goes, they're playing Kent State. He goes, I wish the game was at noon. Just to kind of – just throwing a little shade on Alabama. All right, let's get to three things. It's time for three things. Number one, um, I mentioned I spoke in Deland last night. It's a tough drive home. You're on I-40 for about 40 miles, and it is black. There is nothing but black. Occasional headlight comes, and you can just you're just you're literally not watching the road. You're watching the headlights to make sure the guy didn't jerk it over. I don't like that drive. It's it's not fun. But what made it fun? Not only did I have my Braves to listen to, and they won again. I'm just so proud of those guys. But that New Orleans Houston game was unbelievable, especially the finish. Chauncey Gardner. Now I guess it's C.J. Gardner Johnson now uh, gets called on a penalty for roughing the kicker that would have the game would have stayed tied instead they go up one breeze leads them right back clutch gene and gets uh, the 58 yard field goal it, it was great to listen to and i appreciate it this is why i have serious radio uh but what a what a tough loss for houston i mean they controlled the game for the first half and then you know New Orleans played so much better, and then Houston hits two bombs in a row to, like, looks like they won it. They lose on a 58-yard field goal. Number two, 
I'm not gonna get into any other NFL. This is a more more of a college thing, right? Number two, Lynn Swan retires or resigns, I should say, not retires at USC. And maybe USC for once will will not just be incestuous and insist on getting one of their great former players to be an athletic director. I have experience. Who needs it? Maybe this time they'll actually hire an athletic director to be athletic director. Lori Laughlin's available. No, I'm just kidding. Um, USC hired Mike Garrett, who totally botched the whole Ridgie Bush stuff, did a poor job, ended up having to get moved out of that. Pat Hayden, who just – I know he had health problems, and I love Pat Hayden. He was a great announcer, but he wasn't suited for the job. And then they go to Lynn Swan. Enough is enough, guys. You've, you've helped bring down a once-proud program. I'm not blaming it all on Clay Helton or Lane Kiffin. You guys made those hires. So they need to go hire an AD. The NFL is back in L.A. You know, for example, well, I'll get to that in number three. The NFL's back in LA, so uh, you've got to you've got to compete. It's a, you've got to compete for the dollars, and it's it's a obviously a town with a lot of money, but a lot of all options. My daughter lives there, and my daughter literally every weekend she's got something going, and she doesn't go to football and basketball games. So, yes, USC do the right thing this time and hire an athletic director to be your next athletic director. And number three, UCLA, staying on the West Coast. Chip Kelly got his wish when he said, hey, you know what? I don't want to be the governor of Florida. That's what he told Scott Strickland. He did not want to come into the SEC. He did not want to be the biggest story. He did not want to be able to not walk down the street and have people recognize him. He wanted to go to L.A. where there are a million things going on. You're the eighth biggest story, right? Well, he's got it. He's won three games. He's won three games and lost 11. They're 0-2 now, and they get Oklahoma this week. Well done. But to make things worse, they are offering UCLA as four tickets to anybody who went to the San Diego State game and sat through that loss. Here's just four tickets free. It's going to be hard to draw people. And, and look, it's the most beautiful. I think it's the most beautiful. I'm not saying it's the best stadium, but it's the most beautiful stadium in the country at the Rose Bowl. Pasadena, it, when those sun the sun is setting on those mountains, I'm glad I got to see that twice in my life. Probably won't see it again. I got to see it twice: one Super Bowl, one Rose Bowl. Um. Anyway, you got what you wanted, Chip Kelly. Enjoy. That's going to do it for the show today. The podcast. Thanks again to John Clay. I know I went long again, guys, but uh, I had a lot to say. You know me; I like to talk. And I'll continue that tonight with the quarterback club and, of course, on radio with Jeff Cardozo on the tailgate. You can almost catch me anywhere. And we'll have another podcast Thursday. Make sure you tune in. Till next time, this is Pat Dooley, the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep, I am way back, and I am out of here. The Duly Noted Podcast is presented by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings. Stop in today or visit Zaxby's.com and by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit ViStarCU.org.